everyone, and welcome along to your live Sunday edition of the TII podcast. My name is Craig Derrick, and I'm your host this evening, and I'm joined by two of our fellow Rangers fans who are missing Spain versus Germany to join us this evening. Um, it was an eventful first half, I think, but we'd much rather be talking about Rangers anyway. Um, first up joining us is Ben. How you doing, Ben? Yes, good. Looking forward to talking about Rangers after a little break from it. Yeah, well, it's, it's been a busy week and there's, there's lots to unpack, um, so plenty to get into. And we're joined by Adam as well. How are you doing, Adam? Yeah, good, thanks, Craig. Yeah, it's nice to be on. Absolutely. So before we get um, fired into all things Michael Beale, um, just a, a word from our sponsors, Zenith Coins. Um, this podcast is brought to you in association with our friends over at Zenith Coins, who are giving every Rangers fan the opportunity to own their own memorable coin collection. Uh, Zenith have created a set of five wonderfully crafted coins, each celebrating huge milestones in Rangers' 150-year history. Um, so there's a coin for the founding fathers, there's a coin for Ibrook Stadium, one for the European Cup winning cup squad of Barcelona Bears in 1972. There's a nine in a row coin, a 55th league championship coin as well, um, commemorating the win under Steven Gerrard. Um, if you want to find out more, that's a, it's a cracking set of coins. I think we've all had a had a look at them um, over the last few weeks and months. But if you want to find out more and, and have a look at them yourself and potentially buy some, head over to the website now www.zenithcoins.com and you'll get a, a look at a look at them over there. Right on to on to business and Rangers business. Now it's been a busy week. It, I can't believe it was only Monday that Giovanni Van Bronckhorst was was actually relieved of his his position as manager at Rangers. It feels like it's been full on with um, talk of what's going on, who's going to be the next manager, what's going on at board level, um, what happened to Gio. Gio's came out today with a, with a statement, a, a very classy statement, I think, which is what you would expect from Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Um, we all know how how nice a guy is and how much um, how much he does love Rangers. I don't think we doubted that at any point. It just wasn't happening on the pitch for him um, and it appears uh, within the last hour or so that Rangers are in direct contact with QPR with regards to permission to speak to Michael Beale and, and that £1.5 million rumoured compensation fee as well. Um, ben, I'm going to come to you first before we get on to talk about Michael Beale and that seems to be moving ever closer and probably expecting an announcement in the next day or two with, in relation to that. But before we get on to that, just on Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's statement today, I think, it, like I said, it was a it was a classy statement, but there are a few things that I think were, were notably left off. Um, I'm going to come to you with the first of those. Um, so he, within the statement, he talks about um, all the highs that we had. He speaks about winning the Scottish Cup. He speaks about uh, reaching the uh, Europa League final in Seville. He also speaks about um, reaching the group, the Champions League group stage. Um, funnily, he doesn't re talk about what happened in the Champions League group stage, but he, he, talk, he talks about um, actually reaching it. Um, he thanks the fans for their support over the time, but a couple of things, a couple of people he doesn't, a couple of groups of people he doesn't mention. So he doesn't mention the players at all, and he doesn't mention the board. Um, do you think that's just a sign of? Is that what you'd expect from a manager in those kind of state statements? Considering he's just been sacked, or do, is that a, was it? Is that something that are a sign of underlying uh, problems? Do you think? Um, I think I think a bit of both. Um, I think 
it's hard to expect them to be thinking a board that's just sacked him after just a year in charge. Um, so I suppose he, he, he's rightly maybe feeling a wee bit, wee bit uh, hurt by that. Um, I do think it was the right decision, but uh, but I can understand why why he might might feel that way a little bit. Um, and I suppose he, Geo obviously had his faults, but he is definitely right to feel that the players potentially did let him down a little bit. Um, you know the the levels that they reached in Europe and things last season, largely the same group of players, bar bar a, a couple. Um, you know they just didn't seem to be able to get anywhere near those levels um you know and, and also domestically the last last few games they certainly didn't look like a team that were playing and giving everything for that manager yeah absolutely and i think um i think that's that's definitely the case and i suppose you would probably expect if a manager has been sacked obvious things weren't going well on the pitch probably highly likely things weren't going well behind the scenes um as well so i i guess I guess that's that's kind of something to be said. A wee bit interesting. He doesn't thank Ross Wilson as well. Um, that's probably a sign of of something that that I think his fans we've been suspecting. Anyway, um, Adam, what did you make of the statement? Uh, we've got uh, Curry Muncher here giving his very honest view of what it, of what the statement was. What did you make of the statement? And it was kind of interesting that he that Geo highlighted unique challenges that he faced and difficult circumstances as well that he was working in. Um, what did you make of those and what do you think they could potentially allude to? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of appreciate where the sentiments may be coming from in the comments, but I thought it was a nice enough statement. As we say, I think well, the guy clearly loves the club and sadly just didn't work out for him. Obviously, I think it was the right decision, but you know, I think we would all say that would rather it gone differently, especially given his, his history with the with the club. Um, I mean, the difficult challenges thing, can't quite remember the exact wording of it. I mean, obviously he has spoken about the injuries and I mean, that that is a crisis point. I don't think there's there's any denying. I think that, that kind of run up to the World Cup was really kind of emphasised that. And had he got through that, he might still have been in a, in a job. But yeah, I think it was, um, you know, he could easily have not written that i suppose even if he was still angry about it he could have easily just kind of written the first part of that message and said you know thanks to everyone whatever and sort of but i think to kind of specifically suggest that he was working in difficult circumstances probably alludes to slightly more than just the injuries um because i mean injuries happen you know it's like any football manager that can be a factor in them getting sacked but you know i don't really necessarily know if that you just stick it in a statement because your players have been injured so yeah, I mean, listen, we've spoke about it for months now about kind of recruitment and maybe he doesn't feel that he was he was backed properly. That certainly seems to be the sentiment amongst a lot of the fans. So, yeah, listen, it's kind of is what it is. Obviously, nobody will really know what the underlying meaning behind it is, apart from Giovanni Van Bronckhorst and, and maybe some of the <laughs> maybe some people will feel that it is a dig at them. I'm, I'm not sure. But yeah, other than that, I thought it was a kind of standard kind of goodbye statement. But um yeah, very kind of interesting that he did sort of allude to it in, in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I see I'm already getting stuck for the Christmas tree in the comments. <laughs> um, this was one that TRM here says the uh, the pod the other week. It was actually only Monday that the pod went out. Um, so it shows how long a week it's been in Rangers world. Um, but yeah, the, the Christmas tree has not been moved. It is... Um, it's there to stay, and we're getting closer to Christmas, so it's definitely more acceptable now than it was on Monday. Um, but yeah, 
absolutely the Christmas tree is here to stay and I hope you all enjoy it. Um, we'll, Adam, we'll come back on, I guess, to speak a wee bit about the injuries when we start to look at, um, I guess, most of this pod will be assuming that Michael Bio is about to be appointed as the Rangers manager. That they, Those seem to be all the signs that we've been getting um, over the last three or four days. Um, but I think... I think injuries will be one thing that Michael Beale does have to contend with, and we'll look at how that is part of part of what Michael Beale is coming into, and what he needs to what he needs to do to get his fit and firing again um, on that side of things. But that's to come later on. Um, ben, I think if we look at Michael Beale, I don't think he's a unanimous choice amongst the Rangers support. I don't know if there, there is such a thing or there ever has been a unanimous thing, a, a unanimous appointment amongst the Rangers support, but Michael Beale is definitely dividing people more than I thought he potentially would. Um, I think if he had taken over directly after Steven Gerrard, it would be potentially different um, because I think it would have been seen as a natural successor side of things. I think there's a lot more, a lot more issues people have been flagging um, this week to his appointment now compared to if it was last season uh, or if it was a year ago, I think it was a year and two weeks since Gio was appointed in the first time. Um, what, what, what's your reaction to, to his appointment and what do you, what, what, what do you think about Michael Beale being the 18th permanent Rangers manager? Um, yeah, I, I'm positive about it. You know, I mean, I'll always back whoever gets whoever gets a job, unless we're bringing Pedro back. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I basically, um, I would have taken Michael Bale a year ago, um, and I feel like he has he has now got a while it's limited. He has got experience now as a number one, so that's that's a bonus. I don't think we were we were you know inundated with brilliant. There, I don't think that unanimous easy easy for me to say um, candidate um, was out there. To be honest, I would certainly you know if it was Alexis Sean Dice, um, uh, Michael Bale over Sean Dice every day of the week for me. Um, style of play um i think knowing the club having contacts with young players um which which i feel is is a big thing in in bale's um in bale's corner um you know and, and actually the passion the passion that um that is shown for the club uh, you know haven't haven't been there before and and really being keen to come back and and knowing what what this club is all about i know that other managers can can find that out i know and i know that people will say geo knew that too um, but I just think I think passion is one thing that we really missed under Geo, and and I think it's something that Michael Beale um, will bring in. I don't I don't think he's well. We know he's not the finished article, and we know that it'll it will take time. But we're in a position right now where, in my opinion, the league is gone. Um, so we're in a position where we can try and build, and we can sort of take this second half of the season. You know, we're out of Europe. Obviously, we want to try and win the two cup competitions. Um, but we we have a chance now for him to sort of you know assess the squad. We, you know we're in transition with the amount of players that are going to be out of contract. So um, having having a manager like that who's going to effectively learn on the job, um, I, I think now is a good time to do it. Yeah, I think um, I, th- I think it's interesting that the different reactions that we've seen, even in the comments tonight, um, to the the probable announcement of, of Michael Beale as the next Rangers manager. Adam, I just want to firstly get your thoughts on on Michael Beale, um, and secondly, I, I kind of I guess I guess a question that that I was kind of alluding to earlier on when I was when I was um, building up to that question to Ben uh, and RFC fifty six has kind of put it forward here in the comment in terms of why didn't we offer him uh, last year what do you, if you could 
firstly give us your thoughts on 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 Michael Beale and then kind of give us your thoughts on why he's now better than last year or is now different to last year or is it just circumstances that's led to it? Yeah, so to come on to the first point, kind of similar to Ben really where I just think, you know, I think it is at this point important probably just to get behind him. That's not to say that people aren't entitled to sort of criticise the appointment at all um, because he was obviously as a first team manager on his own is very inexperienced and managed 21 league games with QPR and and that's it. Um, but, you know, he's clearly a very well thought of coach. Someone mentioned there, there was a um, Graham Doran's interview that went out on Sky Sports. I think it was today. I didn't quite catch the whole thing, but he spoke very highly of him. And I think everyone that kind of seems to, to be around the guy does. Um, so, yeah, from that, that point of view, I, I do think that it's, it's a good appointment from a, a kind of tactical point of view and a coaching point of view, because, you know, in, in that those kind of circles, there seems to be no debate over how good he is. Um, in terms of why it didn't happen last year, I mean, obviously, I wanted to probably go with Steven Gerrard to Aston Villa. I think that was fair. He also, I'm assuming, wasn't offered the job, so it's kind of thinking in, in hypotheticals there. I'm not quite sure what the kind of situation was. It seemed like Van Bronckhorst, if I remember rightly, was appointed sort of pretty quickly. Um, so, in terms of is it different now, I suppose it is just circumstance. Um, I can sort of see why it might have felt better had Gerard left and then Beal come in sort of straight away because obviously we would have essentially just kept sort of playing the same way without Steven Gerrard as the kind of focal point of all that, as, as the face of it, as the manager. Um, so to have gone a year under a different manager, there's now new players... It's going to take Beal a bit of time, you would imagine, to get them back to the way that he wants to play. Um, so I can understand why there probably is a wee bit of anxiousness there from the fans, but I can only hope that he is a very good coach. And, and I think the fact that, although there is that inexperience, I think the fact that he has been at Rangers, although he's not been the the face of it in the way that Steven Gerrard was, I think he has at least been in and around the club. And you know it won't be a shock to him, or it shouldn't be a shock to him, the sort of goldfish bowl of a job that it is. You'll, you'll have seen that firsthand having watched Steven Gerrard do it from for, for three years. So, so yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one either way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we come on to some of the concerns that have been raised this week, I think fairly by, by quite a lot of Rangers fans who potentially aren't in favour of, of Michael Beale, um and for the record, to anyone listening, I refuse to call him Mick Beale. I will always refuse to call him Mick Beale. And I will not entertain any comments that do call him Mick Beale. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, just just putting that out there just now. Um, but, Ben, I want to kind of touch on Gary Campbell's comment there. Um, I was on the podcast on Monday night, just after um, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst had been sacked. I was on with Tommy and uh, Ross, and we were discussing a myriad of options um, in terms of potential managers and who it could be. Um, I think Michael Beale was the front runner at that point, but I think that was at that point it was just a, a, a who 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 could potentially take over. I don't think there was an actual front runner at that stage. I think there was the opportunity there for the, the Rangers board to effectively do it within twenty four hours if they wanted to. Um, I find it really interesting that it's now Sunday night. Um, we're heading into tomorrow, a 
a week on from Giovanni Van Bronckhorst being sacked. You would like to think that when they sacked or took the decision to sack Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, yep, sorry, I was getting tripped over his name there. Um, when they took the decision to sack him, they would have already been pretty far down their planning for who they wanted to speak to and who they wanted to interview. I think it's interesting that we're now six days, now seven days on, and there's not been an announcement made. Do you think that is almost to show that they did take their time to consider other options or, or all the options that were out there that they saw fit to? Or do you think it's more a just a process thing that, that's led to it being this long? I think I think that's a good point that Gary makes, uh, and it is a concern that I had um, as well. But I, I think it can only mean that we have, you know, looked at our options as well. Um, I think there's two two points to it. I think yes, one we have looked at other people, and I think that's important. You know, if we had just gone for our ex assistant and whatever, it shows it doesn't show the board in a good light. It doesn't show planning. It doesn't show that we're 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 looking wide widely like we should be for for a manager of a club like ours. Um, but also, I think. I mean, the one thing that I would say is I didn't think it looked wonderful on Bale being at that Aberdeen game. Um, and I think had we sacked Gio on the Monday and appointed him the day after or that day or within 24 hours, as you say, I don't think that would have been the greatest look either. Um, so I think sort of given a little bit of time to sort of say we've we've looked, we've, we've taken, taken a look at our options um, is the right way. I mean, you don't want to rush in because things go wrong. Hopefully they don't, but if things go wrong and, you know, it's it's the people, you know, be hitting them with that stick that, oh, you sure you just took the first person that, that you know, was available. So so I think I think I think it would be negligent. And I think this board have many, many faults, um, but I would like to think that they would have um, considered other op- options as well. Yeah, I'm the same. And I think when we saw pictures of um, Stuart Robertson, of Ross Wilson, um, and the departure lounge at Glasgow Airport heading down to London. I think we knew they were heading um, to interview the route, to interview some potential candidates. I think the concern was that it was Michael Beale and only Michael Beale that they were heading to interview. Um, I would like to think that that isn't, hasn't been the case and there's been a reason as to why they've only formally approached QPR either yesterday or today, depending on who you, on who you listen to in terms of um, the media. Um, so I think that's that gives me reassurance, I guess, that the board have taken their time and have considered their options. Um, but I think it's, um, I think Michael Beale is will always potentially be tarnished with the with the tag of being the easy option or the lazy option um, by some fans. And I guess it's a wee bit of a concern that he, he starts off on the wrong foot on that side of things. But I'm sure, um, I'm sure all fans will get behind them because we're all working towards. And we all want the same common goal, which is effectively Rangers Rangers winning league trophies, Rangers winning cup trophies, and Rangers doing well in Europe. And I think that's ultimately where, where we all want to get to, and Michael Beale will be no different. Um, Adam, I'm just going to come to you for the first of these. We'll start talking about some of the concerns that were raised this week by fans. Um, you may have your own concerns that you want to to kind of throw in around here. The first, of the first one that I've seen thrown about, and it's actually one, one of the concerns I have, it's just these links to the Gerard era. Um, I think I'm always wary about people going back to somewhere they've been before. Um, and I don't think this is, although it's a different role he's coming back in, I'm not sure this is entirely entirely different. Um, obviously, under Gerard, Gerard had to build a, a team pretty much from scratch after the Pedro Cachina 
era, he was given time to do it. Ultimately, he won his, uh, or, he, or, he, or he took us to the 55th title, which which obviously meant so much to, to so many Rangers fans. But I guess one of the concerns is we won throughout Gerard's time with the club and, and Michael Beale's time with the club, we won one trophy out of nine, um, understanding that we did have to rebuild the squad during that time. We struggled a bit against the low block, especially towards the end, um, start of last season. Um, we, re- we were really struggling to break teams down. We were conceding the first goal. I think we conceded the first goal in something crazy, like nine first nine games or something like that of the season. It was something something mental. Um, but on the flip side, I guess, you've seen our performances against Celtic under Giovanni van Bronckhorst and our performances against Celtic under Steven Gerrard, Michael Beal were, were night and day compared to those that we've seen over the last year or so. Um, is that a concern you have in terms of the been here before coming back links to to some of the some of the struggles that we had during that time as well mm-hmm. yeah i think someone kind of alluded to it in the comments that particularly that lead up to gerard's departure the football wasn't great despite the fact that i think he left them top of the league so you know it wasn't all kind of perfect under gerard and michael beale obviously those first well first two years pretty much there was an acceptance of how long it was going to take to get the squad back to a title-winning team, and then the fact that he did, I think, perhaps, doesn't obscure memories, but yeah, you know, the 55th title is the first thing that you think of, or certainly the first thing I think of when you think of Steven Gerrard, rather than some of the kind of poor performances that we had under him. In terms of your concern, Craig, about someone going back, I, I do understand that. I mean, it's obviously also going to be different because... You know, everyone talks about how I think there was all this kind of chat about Michael Beale taking all the training sessions, etc. And and perhaps I think particularly when Gerard was at Villa, there was maybe some chat that he really struggled without Michael Beale. But the fact was that as a, a manager and in terms of the mentality that Gerard instilled into the players, I mean that that all came from him. You know, from Steven Gerrard, his very presence. You know, as as the player that he was, I think came from there. Whether Michael Beale, you know, I think that is more my concern on that side in terms of his personality as as a manager. It's, listen, I'm not going either way on it because I don't know enough about the guy to kind of say that. I think with Gerard, despite the fact that it was his first job, because of the player that he was, everyone kind of thought from that point of view. I don't think there was really too many concerns. Um, so, yeah, I think for me it is that just lack of of experience as the front man of Rangers and to kind of contradict myself slightly I know I said that he'd watched Gerard do it for three years but you probably really really don't understand it until you've actually done it um, because although when Gerard came in for criticism that obviously does you know I'm sure Beal and Gary Mack etc all felt anxious at the time but really it was Steven Gerrard that would, would take the hits on that one Beal is probably now going to have to do that at some stage over the course of the next six months um, because as as Ben said earlier I think the getting the league back is going to be difficult. So, yeah, I, th- I think there are a lot of concerns and I think it is a really difficult one in terms of how optimistic we all feel if and when he is given the the job. I think it is when at this point. Um, yeah, but then at, at the same time, on the flip side of that, he has got a huge chance when he comes in. You know, I mean, I think three of the first five games are Hibs, Aberdeen and Celtic. So, you know, it's like classic... Rangers scenario where he's sort of two games away from this is the wrong appointment, but then potentially and two games away from oh well maybe things are looking up a little bit. So yeah, I completely appreciate 
people's concerns on it, but I think at this moment in time, he is the sort of obvious and correct candidate for me. And so I think I have to try and think towards that side of things, but that's not to say that I don't have any concerns about that lack of experience as a manager. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back on to the lack of experience because that's, that's kind of the next point that that we've got. But Ben, just before we do, just want to touch on Aldo's comment there. Um, people seem to fantasise about style of play under the, the regime Bill was involved in due to 55. At times under that regime, it, it was as predictable and as hard to watch as it was under Gio. Um, I think we've all seen, as as rumours of, of Bill's appointment have grown and grown and grown, we've all seen the Galatasaray go about 40 times um, this week on social media. I guess that's one of the that's one of the best examples of the type of goal that, that we did score and we've not really been scoring since Giovanni Van Bronckhorst took over. I guess the Ryan Kent's goal against Royal Antwerp as well was another example of how we were able to play through teams. Um, but like like I said, when, when I was um, asking Adam his question, we did struggle, especially towards the start of last season before Gerard and Bill left for Villa. We were really struggling against, against the low block. Do you have not concerns about that we'll just revert back to the same style of play and teams will already have worked us out because they worked us out last time? Or do you are, do you think B will try and almost refresh his approach and he will have learned from his time at Villa and his, his short time at QPR? Yeah, I think I think he'll have to he'll have to be flexible, but I think that's what a good coach is. And and I think he's a good coach, you know, and I think um I agree it wasn't perfect and particularly the start of last season towards the end of, of their reign. Um, it, it wasn't great. Um, and as you say, we were conceding the first goal quite a lot. Um, and we were struggling, struggling to break teams down. But I think, um, you know, there was, you know, there's a lot of factors for that. I think we didn't refresh the squad enough after winning the league um, is one thing. And I think, you know, the, the football under Gio towards, well, for quite a lot of his time, to be honest with you, it was a chore to watch Rangers. Um, whereas I wouldn't say that about the time. Um, yes, there were games where it wasn't wasn't great, but I mean that's going to be the case. Um, you know, we're not going to be perfect. Um, so I have more confidence that that Bale can get us playing good football because I think we did play good football under that regime more than we didn't. So uh, you know, I would be I'd be positive. You know, thinking about that. Yeah, I think it's. Uh... You, you do, I suppose you always do remember the best times under certain managers. Um, I suppose it depends how their how their reign ends. Um, I'm not sure with Pedro Cachinha if there were any best times. Um, but I, I guess I guess it, you do always tend to remember the more positive things. And uh, like with with uh, Stephen Gerrard and, and uh, Michael Beale's time with the club, you do remember that 55th title, as Adam says, that's kind of the first thing you jump to, and then you jump to our form in Europe and how we were playing against teams, and whereas I guess with Giovanni Van Bronckhorst and his departure, it's like, yeah, he took us to Seville, but also we struggled a lot in the league, and we're, we're not aggressive enough, and he plays a horseshoe, and it kind of just shows the difference in terms of how fans were viewing it, despite reaching a European final six months ago, um, which is which is still feels like a lifetime ago, to be fair. Um, ben, just sticking with you for your first kind of view on this one, one of the other criticisms of Michael Beale is that he's an unproven manager. Ultimately, he's had 10 to 15 games as a as a, um, as a manager for QPR. Um, he's already been approached and turned down the Wolves job, um, which got him a lot of, a lot of headlines and a lot of stick. Um, he's 
he's obviously been a coach for so many years. He's been to so many different countries as well. He spent a lot of time in Brazil. He's, he was coached with Chelsea. He was coached with a number of other clubs before coming to us as well. Um, does his lack of experience um, cause you uh, concern? Or um, even, the, even the way the form has turned around, I think QPR started the season off absolutely flying the first five, six games. They were top of the championship, which I don't think they've been for for quite a considerable length of time. And then the last five games they've played, um, they've they've lost four out of five. They've scored one goal in five games. Um, does it look like he's jumping ship before it gets even worse? I don't, where do you lie on, on that side of things? Yeah, um, his experience is, is a slight concern. Um, you know, I would love us to be coming in, bringing in a manager that's won title after title in several different countries and, and that, but they're just not out there for us right now. Um, Michael Beale has vast experience, obviously not as a number one, but coaching, as you've said, there um, in several different countries um, and is widely, widely respected. I think, you know, Stephen Gerrard didn't have much experience today either. Um, I think one of the... Um, one of the important things um, is who who he brings in as his staff. I think um, you know having having that experience of like Gerard bringing in um, Gary Mack and stuff. Um, although he hadn't been manager, uh, he he was widely 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 experienced in the game. And I think he needs to bring in someone like that. It doesn't necessarily need to be. I'm not totally of the opinion that it has to be an ex Rangers player or whatever. Um, but just somebody who has has experience in the game would benefit him, I I think. Um the as as for the QPR, yes, their their form has dipped. Um I think the with the squad that they had, I don't think it was ever gonna, you know, stay as top top as as it was um for the start of the season, all season. Uh, you know, I think that championship is a very, very up and down league and you will go through periods. Um and particularly I suppose there's no doubt that once your manager's been approached by somebody, it will unsettle things a little bit. Um, so I, I don't really think he's jumping as such. I think, as he said himself, Rangers is too big to turn down and, and he couldn't turn it down. So I think if there's another club, he may well have turned it down as he's proven in the past. Yeah, Adam, I just want to pick up on one thing Ben said there because it was something that uh, both Tommy and Ross and myself um, discussed on Monday's podcast. Um, there was a lot of a lot of shouts in the comments on Monday for need to have an ex-Rangers man in there or need to have someone that knows... Scottish football. Um, I've seen even some suggestions today or over the last couple of days that Kevin Thompson should be part of of Michael Beale's coaching setup. Um, I'm I'm left in no doubt that Michael Beale will have his own choices as to who he wants to be part of his setup, and I'm sure they will, will have been part of his his requirements before he before he signs on the dotted line. What do you? How do you feel about the needs to be someone that knows the league or someone that that knows the club and they're beside him? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not something that I, necess- I think is a must, really. I mean, if the person can bring something to the staff, then of course they should be appointed, but they shouldn't be appointed solely on the basis that they are ex-Rangers. So I don't really see that argument so much. I mean, Stephen Gerrard didn't know Scottish football, and he won a league title. I appreciate it took those two years, but I'll will always defend those first two years under Steven Gerrard. It's just a, it's such a big rebuild was needed. Um, 
listen, people might not like this, but ultimately you have to compare yourself to the other side of the city as well. They appointed a manager who didn't exactly, you know, I think everybody was Googling him, to be fair. When he came in, nobody really knew a huge amount about him. He hadn't managed in Scotland, obviously has more experience than Michael Beale, but, you know, didn't exactly stop him from, from doing the job that he's done. So I wouldn't suggest that it's necessarily crucial to have somebody who knows the club um, I think there's probably an argument that it's maybe refreshing if if they don't necessarily, um, just because you know they can come in with a really fresh set of eyes. I know that Michael Beale has been there, but let's face it, things have changed that much in the even just year that he's been away that it will feel like a fresh start for him, and he'll be the manager with kind of new backroom staff. So, um, no, obviously, if there is somebody, whether it's Kevin Thompson or someone else who can bring something to the coaching setup, then yeah, obviously, fair enough. But the fact that they're ex Rangers for me, isn't necessarily crucial to, to getting them in there. Yeah. Ben, one of the things Adam mentioned there was about the uh, the fact he'll always defend the first two years under Steven Gerrard because there did have to be a rebuild. Or do we almost find ourselves a year after they left in the same position that we have to rebuild again? Um, we've got a really bloated squad. Um, we've got a lot of injuries within that squad. We've got a lot of players who are consistently injured but are um, tied down to long-term contracts um, at least for the next um, 18 months or so. Are we almost at the stage where Michael Beale's coming back again a year after he left to to help us rebuild a squad again and is there a concern, this is one of the concerns that I think a few people have mentioned that he's he's too friendly with some of the players in the current squad and there's a concern that he wouldn't, he'd be, he'd be friendly enough that he wouldn't want to cut them adrift think you're talking like about guys like potentially Alan McGregor or Stephen Davis or Scott Arfield or guys who are who are reaching the end of their, their sort of Rangers career as such is that is that a concern you have or do, do you think he, he does have that ruthless streak with him well I think he's coming he's coming and he's taking this job to make it a success um you know he, he's not going to say right listen uh McGregor's my mate so I'm going to keep him another two years um he wants to have the best goalkeeper that's going to make his team the best or Steve Davis or whoever that is. Um, so, no, I, I'm not worried about that. He's a professional. He's experienced enough to know what what he needs in, in this team. Um, in terms of the rebuild, I think yes and yes and no. I think when Steve Gerrard came in, Steve Gerrard had to rebuild the club, in my opinion. Um, you know, he had to put the club back onto that European stage. Um, he had, you know, improving the training ground. Um, so many things like that, even, even from, a, you know, Bizgrove and stuff coming in um, around those those times and improving the club on a corporate level as well um, was important. And, and even Europe bringing in the finances. So we're, we're on we're on a better footing as a club, but as a squad, when Stephen Gerrard came in, I don't like saying this at all, but we were miles away from them. Um, across the city, in terms of squad and in terms of playing playing ability, and you know, I, I sadly think we are again. I just don't think our squad comes close to what theirs has. I mean, they've spent more money than us, so it's it's going to be that way. So I think I think in terms of playing, we are at a rebuild stage, especially with contracts coming up and uh, players that have been there and have gone stale, been there too long. Um, you know, so yeah, there's there's a big rebuilding job, but that, that's that's why I feel it's a good time to go for a manager like this. Yeah, absolutely, Adam. One of the things um, that I wanted to, I was going to touch on later, but I think it fits quite well now is around um, if if we do obviously a new manager comes in, 
the vast majority of people's instant reaction is, well, if a new manager comes in the next transfer window, we're going to be spending millions and millions of pounds as he gets in the players that he does want and he will get rid of the players that he doesn't want. I don't think that's quite as easy for a January window as it is for a, a summer transfer window. I mentioned I mentioned before that we've got the sort of overinflated squad size. Um, it's, it's, it's quite bloated compared to where you would probably want it to be. You've got a high wage bill. Um, we've got some players coming to the towards the end of their contracts, like Morelos and Kent. Um, we've got a squad that's been underperforming, really, from where we expect them to be. And there's a lot of injuries in there as well. Do you do you expect us to spend good money in January, or or do you actually think it'll be a bit of a maybe add one or two, but the real work will be done in the summer? Yeah, certainly the second point there, Craig. I, I really don't think it'll be a a crazy busy January. I mean, you would like to think that those one or two, even if it is just one or two, will be players that make an impact straight away. Um, listen, we all can debate the situation financially. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know what it is. Obviously, none of us in that sense know the exact figures. You know, I don't know how much money there is to spend. We've qualified for the Champions League. We've had sales recently. It does seem a bit up in the air at the minute but if you're asking how much I think we're going to spend in January I, I don't think it's going to be anything near enough to consider the squad sort of rebuild complete at that point um, I think just to kind of touch on something that Ben said that is interesting though is that in going back to the kind of Gerard era is he had to rebuild like I think it was a nice point of saying rebuild the club because the mentality that you expect from Rangers was just not there at all I think what Beal has now is a chance to get those players, you know, in that time to have a near goals and they've won league titles, they've been to European finals, got the cup hoodoo off their back as well, which I think, just briefly to go back to Van Bronckhorst, there's something I will remember because it had been a decade. So, you know, fair play to him on that front as well, I think. Um, but yeah, to bring it back to, to Beal now, I think it's as much of a part of that rebuild is just reminding those players of actually how mentally strong we have seen them be. I don't think it's necessarily just a rebuild in terms of like it was under Gerard, where it was literally like clear the decks and get so many new players in. I think it's as much about getting players who we know are capable of I mean they were in a European final six months ago, like you say, Craig, it feels about ten years ago now, but that is as much a part of it as anything else, I would say. So as much as we are very rightly going to talk about who we bring in and who goes, because there are a lot of players to go at the minute and there's players out of contract so it is going to be quite a hectic six months you would imagine I think as much of the rebuild is about working with what he's got and getting players back to their best as it is bringing in a couple of people in, in January yeah absolutely um Ben I think the last the last um point thrown against Michael Beale or the potential point of Michael Beale is I guess I guess the word loyalty comes into it, but I'm not really sure that's that's the correct word to use. But I think just the whole situation where he, he was only been QPR manager um, since the summer, um, he's been 10, 10 to fifteen games into into that. It was I looked up to date. It was thirty two days ago that he said he made a statement saying that he was turning down Wolves because he was all in at QPR and he couldn't run out the door. Um, and leave all the people who he'd asked to go all in with him at the club. Um, I, I do wonder what's changed in those 32 days. I know as Rangers fans, we like to think that the appeal of the club and the stature of the club is what is what draws him. And I do think that 
that I think he's always had in his head probably that he wants to come back to to manage Rangers and he's probably wondered or even thought is this the only chance I'm going to get so I'm going to take it but does that even come into your thinking as a Rangers fan about a neg- has been a negative point or is it just that it's, it's by the by and he's, he's the Rangers manager and that's what's important? Yeah, I'm not that worried about it. Um, I think he, he openly said that he couldn't ever turn down Rangers, and he's you know he's proven that. Um, but I think I think people you know make too much of this loyalty in football. You know, if he started his QPR job and he lost the first ten games, they wouldn't have been thinking about loyalty when they binned him. You know, so opportunities come, and you know he could turn down Rangers now, and he might never get that chance again. So you know you have to take the opportunity. I mean. It, it, it's it's the sort of food chain, isn't it? We, we didn't like it when Gerard cho- chose to leave us, and QPR probably won't like it now, but that, that's what happens if, if a bigger club comes along. Or I'm not saying Aston Villa are a bigger club than us, but, you know, the Premier League, the lower the Premier League obviously came along. Um, and, and you know, going back to Rangers, to, to a huge institution, you know, he can't turn it down, and I don't blame him. Yeah, so we've spoken about quite a few of the, the concerns that we've seen raised over the past week or so. Let's look at some of the positives, I guess, Adam, of him, of him coming back. He, um, he knows and he loves the club. Um, he understands the expectations that we have as fans. He, he understands the expectations that are placed on any manager that walks through those doors and, and takes charge of the club. Um, like we spoke about earlier with the Galatasaray, Galatasaray goal and the, um, and the Royal Antwerp goal and um, some, of the, some of the performances against Celtic as well, he did have his playing attractive football and they we were always up for the fight i think that's one of the, the accusations that's been leveled at geo's team especially this season is that they've, they've they've just seemed to have surrendered before they've even kicked a ball in some games especially the champions league games and i don't think that's anything we saw in a, a single game under steven gerrard over the course of the three years um for that one um he seems to be able to get more out of players than than we have seen over the last year, particularly looking at guys like Glenn Kamara, um, who was a standout over the, under over the three years under under Steven Gerrard and Michael Beale, and he's faded into almost non-existent at the club at the moment. It'll be interesting to see if we see sort of his Rangers career resurrected, or if really he should have he should, last summer was the time he should have probably left alongside sort of Aribo and Bassey and left with our best wishes. Um, he's also got a good track record of developing young players, um, which I don't think should be underestimated, especially with the likes of Tillman um, in there. Um, I know some people I'm kind of past the point of hoping with Rabi Matondo, but some people think Rabi Matondo can still offer um, something. He just needs he needs a bit of help and guidance. Um, I think that's some of the positives that I've thought about over the past week or so with Michael Beale's um, appointment. What where do you see the positives lying and where do you see some real reasons for optimism? Yeah, well, definitely from a coaching point of view, I don't think any of us have any concerns. He's so well thought of. And and I know we've had some comments quite rightly mentioned that some of it wasn't great in those first couple of years that they were in the job. But the parts of it that were, if he can bring that back, which you would like to think he could do, because as I say, I don't think the rebuild job is quite as, as big as it was when him and Gerard first walked in the door, then I think there's definitely cause for optimism there. To talk about the young players as well, he has got a good track record there, which, you know, it's quite an exciting time from that point of view at Rangers. We've seen the young King getting a lot of minutes. There's obviously a lot of 
hype around um, Alex Lowry and, and guys like Charlie McCann, etc. So, you know, you would like to think that, that they will kick on under him. Um, and yeah, I think in general, it's important to try and be optimistic in that sense and that he will bring back a good style of play because it has been quite abject at times domestically under Van Bronckhorst. And, and you know, domestically, it's just going to be so important. I mean, breaking down teams is what we've struggled with now for for months. And I think nothing, so I've seen a good tweet that said nothing sums up Van Bronckhorst's tenure better than I think they beat Dortmund at I brought at in Dortmund and then drew two all with Motherwell or something like that. I mean, that really does sum it up. So, yeah, I think there is cause for optimism from that point of view. The most important thing is seeing if we can break down these low blocks that we've just been struggling against so much and really bring back a, a real sense of intensity, I think. And I don't sometimes like to label that word at players because you don't like to, you really don't want to think that they're not given a hundred percent effort. I mean, only the players will be able to tell you if they are or, or aren't. And we spoke earlier about how Van Bronckhorst didn't, you know, thank the players. Maybe that's reading a bit too much into it. I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, that obviously needs to be brought back. And I have faith that he will be able to do that. And, you know, these first five games, particularly the three, as I mentioned, Hibs, Aberdeen and Celtic, are will, will be an indicator of that. I think that those are just so, so crucial. As I said, in sort of classic Rangers fashion, he comes in and he's two games away from a crisis, pretty much, depending on how how things go. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm more on the side of, although I kind of echo a lot of the concerns that have been put towards him, I'm more on the side of being optimistic than, than not. Yeah, you mentioned obviously Hibs and Aberdeen, the sort of first two games back. Um, you never know, we might just tap up Ryan Porteous and that will help us along the way yeah. um, after the news this week. <laughs> ben does not look impressed at all. Oh, yes, <laughs> it was a joke for clarification, it was a joke. Um, Ben, before we come on to look at sir, uh, Michael Beals, I keep going to call him Mick Beal after, after having that run earlier on. I'm yeah. that. Um, I want to Michael Beale's sort of priority list of things that he needs to um, that, that he'll want to start to fix and start to fix straight away. What conditions do you think he'll if you're in Mick, Mick Beale, if you're in Michael Beale's position, <laughs> what um, what conditions or what what expectations would you have put forward to the board that you would need to have just before you signed on that dotted line? Um, I would need I would need to know that I'm going to be able to pick my players that I'm bringing in because um, that's the question. Of course, we don't know for sure that that wasn't the case, but the players that came in didn't look to me that they were Geo's players. I could be wrong, um, but basically knowing that he has he has the authority to pick his own players, um, you know, is, is a big one. And knowing, I suppose, knowing what what he's going to be able to do because there is a rebuild, um, and knowing that. Although I don't think there's going to be 10 million, you know, available immediately. Um, I think it's important that he knows that there is going to be some funds available because um, we need them. Let's face it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Adam, same question to you. What would you, ex- what, what do you think Michael Beale's expectations would be, or, or, or his conditions, I guess, for signing on the dotted line? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of similar to Ben, just that he is going to have the full backing of the board i mean we spoke earlier about you know how bizarre it is that that squad was in such a good position going into the season after steven gerrard won the league 
and we're now, you know, that was a chance to really kick on, and we're now back in a position where Beal has got to come in and kind of think about getting the squad back to that and getting his own players and getting quality players in to improve the squad. We've obviously sold Aribo and Bassi. I don't have an issue with that. They had to be sold with the money that was offered and the fact that they probably wanted to move on anyway. But the fact that they weren't really properly replaced with players that offered as much, if not more quality than them, because they were good players. But, you know, the greatest respect to them, fantastic guys, but there are probably better players out there that could have been brought in to, to replace them or at least match them. Um, and I think that's one thing with Beal is that that is not his fault, that there's a much wider discussion that we could have here and have had about the fact that the board hasn't kicked on from that title winning season. We have definitely taken it a step backwards in spite of a Europa League final, but that kind of was very much a against all odds tale. So, yeah, it's, it's really just the board need to just give Michael Beal the backing to, to build a squad and, and create a team that, that is his vision. And then that way, from the board's point of view, all the pressure in that sense can be put on to, to Beal. If they give him that back and they give him the players and they say, well, there you go, it's then fully down to him to to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Mandy Thompson comes in there with a comment, Beal needs to pick his own players 100%. And Ross Wilson must go, then Robertson, after what he said about the fans keeping the club in the dark ages disgraceful. I think I'd fully agree that Michael Beale needs to needs to pick his own players. I think there's a I do understand why we do have the director of football system. Jury's out for me, I think, on Ross Wilson. Um I think he's done some good, but he's done a, a lot of a lot of bad in there as well with the players that have been brought in. So definitely gonna be a busy a, a big January transfer window and probably summer transfer window, if we're honest, for for both Michael Beale and for, for Ross Wilson. Um, ben, if we start to look ahead to assuming that Michael Beale was appointed tomorrow, Tuesday, from what I understand, the players return to, to training on Wednesday um, gives us three weeks, I think. Um, just, uh, just no, sorry, just, oh, just over two weeks until we take on Hibs on Thursday the 15th of December. What is what should his priority list be when he gets there to to fix things and to try and turn things around quickly? Should it should it be the fitness thing? We know the fitness side of things has been called into question a lot this year. Should it be attitude, formation, work rate, tactics? Where there's so many places you could start. Where where do you think where do you think is the where do you think the, the quick wins are? I guess for him. Um, it's a difficult one because because as you say, there's so much that needs done. Um, I think I I I don't think that we're not fit enough. I think attitude was was certainly lacking, um, or belief. Um, you know, I think when your manager comes out, particularly I'm talking Champions League, when your manager comes out and says we can't compete at this level, the players might be saying, "Well, we can't compete at this level," and that affects the work rate. And and you know, when we were end up getting thrashed in those, it's. You know it's going to dent confidence so what he needs to do is try and pick those players back up but by having a conversation with the senior players to say what has been going on um what's been going wrong is 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 important um but i think one of the important things that he needs to do not necessarily with a view to the first games but with a view to assessing the squad is sitting down with with the players that are going to be out of contract and and getting you know finding out where their heads are at what was it that they didn't like geo you know was that why kent has been missing um for so long um 
Morel or someone learn if, if there is hope for it at all. Um, but you know, he needs to sit down and find out because if, if those players are indicating that they don't want to be part of it, then we need to we need to get whatever we can for them in January so that we can, you know, reinvest that. So I think you know, assessing assessing things like that is, is, is very, very important for him. Um and and, and I think something that's not internal within the within the squad. I think what he needs to do as well is be using his contacts, which I'm sure he will, um, with those sort of cross border signings. Um I know that he has a lot of, you know, contacts in London and things like that. And, you know, what I found interesting was when when I know Ross Wilson stayed as director of football, um, but whenever whenever um Gerard and Bale and that regime left, those signings seemed to stop, whereas they were so key during that period, um, that it, it makes me think that their their influence in them was was huge. So I think those are going to be very important because we don't have the most money in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before I get your thoughts on it, Adam, we get all sorts of comments on here. Um, spoke about the Christmas tree at the start. I'm going to bring this one up. Um, saying you look like Toby Maguire. Um, are you, you accepting that? Are you accepting that? Are you... I'll, I'll accept that. That's he's the best Spider Man for me, so I'll, I'll accept it. Maybe that'll cause even more controversy. Yeah, that, that may cause more controversy. Yeah, yeah so, um, the best. so, so yeah, um, as a huge compliment. So. Yeah, so um, CRS Adam will send you a DM after after the show and <laughs> get sorted on that front. Um, just on the back to the I guess what what Michael Beale's first priorities will be when he when he comes in as manager, where do you think they lie? Do they lie, like Ben said, with attitude or do they lie sort of that, that planning for signings? I imagine we're going to change style a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, maybe not necessarily the, the formation itself, but how how the players move and interact within that formation, I think, will probably will probably change. Where do you see his, his priorities being for the next two weeks or so? Yeah, I mean, I think those kind of first two things about the sort of attitude and the tactics are probably connected because I think we need to have a style back that is built on a bit more intensity. And by playing with more intensity, I think it will be easier to look at them and see that there is a better attitude there because if you're playing with more intensity, then naturally that would suggest that you are putting in a bit more effort. He is the best Spider-Man. Yep, let's clear that up um, briefly. Um so yeah, I think from that point of view, that will be the first thing because he is really going to have to hit, you know, the ground running. I mean, the games will start. Um, you'll have you'll have a couple of weeks there to kind of get that built in, get a style in as it, you know, as it that two weeks leading up to it, basically get a style in before the Hibs game starts, rather than sort of having to come in and just like the first games on the Saturday. I think that's why that's probably the priority because. He has got that couple of weeks. So sorry, I just keep my eye on the comments. It's gone all it's gone all sorts and um, easy to lose your train of thought. And then yeah. and then yeah, as we go forward, I think Ben is, is completely right that we need to um, just even if it is just forward planning in January, you know, nece- not necessarily some of the players that are gonna depart maybe are gonna go in January because they're either still injured or we can't get them out the door, whatever it may be. I'm thinking of people like Hollander, for example, who, I mean, let's face it, is a club going to take the guy with how injury prone he is if he can't get back to his best? So, but for me, that that first thing immediately is to get back a style that will just win games of football and win them convincingly. Because even I was looking back through those last few results, like with Van Bronckhorst, you look at the wins, and even the 1-0 over Hearts, etc., really wasn't convincing. So I think that's the kind of first thing that needs to come back. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, right, we're almost at the end of of the tonight's podcast. So just one last thing I wanted to discuss. We've obviously seen with um, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's contract length um, and the potential issues that that has presented when it hasn't worked out um, in terms of the financial... Rem- rem- I can't even say that word. Um, paying him off, effectively, we'll go for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in terms of the amount of money we would have to pay him and his staff, um, I believe he's will just be paying up his contract as as is, and he'll get this money monthly or weekly or however it is, however it is we pay him to the end of his contract. We've seen a, a sort of, I guess, a an approach across the other side of the city that's been whatever manager comes in, no matter if it's Brendan Rodgers, if it's Neil Lennon, if it's Ange Postecoglou, they get a twelve month rolling contract, um, at least for the first two years, I think, and then then they start to build, and that almost gives them. A bit of wiggle room as such in terms of if it doesn't work out they can make a quick change and it won't cost them a lot of money um, i saw some comments earlier on um when we were discussing it that they're expecting a three-year contract for michael beal i don't know how accurate that is or if that was a a, a sort of pot shot at how long the contract would be um ben would you favor moving towards that 12-month rolling contract side of things and if you if you did, do you think that's actually a, a condition that a lot of managers would actually accept, or do you think they would expect a, a more a more detailed term instead of two, three, four years? I mean, ideally, I would, um, but I suppose if you want to show that you've got real faith and confidence in them, a manager is going to want two, three years, um, especially if they're leaving another club. Um, for that, but but yeah, from from the club's point of view, it, you know it covers you. So if, if things don't go well, then you know you're not doing what we're doing right now and paying a ma- paying a previous manager. So yeah, I would like to do that, um, but I can see it from the point of view where they're 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 wanting more backing than that a manager. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I think I favour more the approach towards the twelve month rolling contract just because of the, I guess the volatility of of football as it is today. Um, we mm-hmm. saw how quickly. It turned on Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, I guess, from the from the, the that first kick off against Ajax onwards. It kind of it kind of turned massively quickly, and it never you could tell it was never going to recover. And I think it's quite easy for that to happen to any manager, not just Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. So I would probably favour the the twelve month rolling contract at least to start off. Anyway, um, we've got Callum C coming in there saying he would give us your contract today. <laughs> I'm not sure anyone in life should take, never mind a, a football manager. I think Mike Ashley's, I think Mike Ashley's gone now. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, Adam, just to just to close out the podcast, just your thoughts on that sort of contract approach as, as a club. Do you think uh, the concern is that we just keep finding ourselves out within that? Um, within that cycle of getting a manager, I'm staying for a year, 18 months, and then you've got to pay off the second half of his contract or whatever. Where do you stand on on that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, I suppose, you know, football is so unpredictable that you could do it once and it would really work out quite well, but then you could do it another time and it might not. For example, if Beal was only on a 12-month rolling contract and things were to be going well, then a club could just poach him in the summer for free, effectively without any kind of compensation fee. At the same time, if things weren't going well, it would perhaps keep the board on their toes in the sense that I know football clubs probably have this anyway, but just kind of have a list of managers there as backup and be a bit quicker to kind of come in in that sense. Not that this hasn't been quick. I mean, I suppose it's only been a a week, but 
just to kind of have an idea of, you know, really there's always kind of, if a change does have to be made, which, you know, it inevitably will at some stages, that's what happens in football, then it can be done quite smoothly. So I think, yeah, not to massively just sit on the fence. I do think there are pros and cons to it. Maybe though, to kind of actually pick a side, it's time for maybe a bit of a change in that sense. It's maybe worth a go. And I suppose if Michael Beale backs himself, which he should, obviously, if he's going to take the Rangers job, then a 12-month rolling contract, he might think, well, yeah, that's fine, because in 12 months, I'll have done a good enough job that you can then back me with a, an extra year, an extra two years. So someone did put in quite a good idea there, though, a sort of two-year deal option with another year if he does well, maybe something like that. So perhaps make that slightly less and say, you know, 12 months, but, you know, you get the option of the extra year so long as everything does go well in that sense. So, yeah, I think pros and cons to it, definitely. But I would probably come down on your side, Craig, in the sense that it's maybe worth just trying at this moment in time because of what we've seen recently. Yeah, I think I think Stephen Gerrard was our longest serving manager for um, three three years or just over three years, and he's been he was the longest serving manager by quite a considerable way in recent times. Um, so I think that's that's just a sign of potentially where the club has been, but also how volatile we can be as a support and how quickly our our minds or our thoughts towards the team or the manager can can change depending on what is happening on the park. Um, but thank you very much, guys, for joining us. Um, just going to round off the podcast there. Fully expecting Michael Beale to be revealed or announced as the, the Rangers manager probably tomorrow, which will be Monday, um, but potentially Tuesday at the latest. Um, but thank you very much, Ben, for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you. Yeah, thanks very much. Enjoy it. And same to you, Adam. How was it being in the contributor chair rather than the host chair? Yeah, no, it was good. A lot, lot less pressure, so... It's been good to have you back. And thank you very much, everyone else, for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the TII YouTube channel and toggle on those notifications as well so you get an email every single time we go live. Um, As we spoke about at the start, it's World Cup time. I think Spain and Germany has just finished in the last five minutes or so. I won't ruin the score for anyone like Ben that's got it on on record. (laughs) But... um, we are on a reduced schedule as a result of that that World Cup break. So it's, we're next live on Wednesday, albeit if Michael Beale is announced as Rangers manager. We will be live with an, a sort of immediate reaction podcast to that as well. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for that. But the next planned live show is on Wednesday night and the team will be back with you then. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. And until next time, goodbye. Oh,